Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whatever the case may be. You're listening to the Homestead Mentor Live Show on the Homestead on the home of the Homestead Mentor community. I'm your host, Homestead Mentor, and food security champion for this Tuesday, March 9th, 2021 edition. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Slot the hogs, have the trees, feed the chickens, check the bees, aquaponics, off the grid, solar, power, feed the kids, firewood, rabbit stew, vermiculture, garden, too. That's the life on the homestead as we know it. That's the life on the homestead as we know it. On homesteadmentorradio.com. Hey, happy Tuesday. Uh, we're going to get right into it. Tonight, I've got, a, I think, a, a packed show. We're going to talk about predators. And, you know, I think about if I just got started homesteading, you know, I picture this in my mind. So here I am, uh, just bought my land. Uh, I've got my infrastructure set up. I've got my chickens out with my garden. And uh, I get up in the morning to go feed the animals. Excited to see what, what is new in the garden and I get out there and I find uh, feathers scattered around and tomatoes half eaten, uh, my bean plants down to uh, stems and everything I worked hard for is just gone. So that's what predators do um, or can do. So we're gonna talk about predators tonight, but before I do, I want to apologize for last night. Had all sorts of technical difficulties. In fact, uh, so many that I decided not to uh, turn on the live calling features. So you won't hear me rambling on about uh, dial this number tonight. And maybe not even tomorrow. Uh, I need to make sure that I have enough time to test the system to make sure that I have it correct before we try that again. So again, I apologize for the issues last night. The other thing is, is the testing that I'll be doing um, will simplify, what I'm trying to do is simplify the whole process to where it's basically programmed, where I push a button and everything spins up. That way I don't have to rely on me getting all of the dials uh, set properly. So going forward, that should make for a more consistent listening experience. All right, so I still need to, I still need to work that one out. Okay, so predators. So um, the unfortunate thing is this would actually be a very good topic to, for discussion because most everyone has had an experience and has an idea on how to uh, take care of a particular predator. But um, we'll save that maybe for another show and we'll get into detail on individual uh, cases. But uh, so the first thing I wanted to say is it's, it's a good idea to get to know the local flora and fauna, right? Uh, what, what grows in my area? Um, what insect pressures do I have? But also, what predator pressures do I have? And, uh, for instance, where I live, uh, I'm probably not going to think that if uh, I, I go out to the, one of the gardens and the fence is torn down and it's the, you know, the whole thing's torn up, I'm probably not going to think it's a bear. I live in Ohio, and while we do have bears, and occasionally we'll see a bear, um, but only by luck. Of course, it's by luck. Generally, you see bears anyway. But um, 
they're just passing through. They don't live uh, in this area. So uh, it's it's a pretty low probability that, that I would uh, be having any issues with bears. Now, if I'm in Pennsylvania or West Virginia, um, and some obviously some other states, uh, black bear, brown bear, and you know, think of I think of Alaska. I'm sure grizzly bear, Montana, Wyoming. So uh, depends on where you live, but get to know what what is around. Most of what we have here in Ohio, and I tell my children this all the time, we actually live in one of those states and areas where there isn't a whole lot that we need to worry about. Um, we don't have rattlesnakes uh, this far north. We typically don't even have copperheads. Uh, so we don't have bear. We don't have mountain lions. We do have on the occasion a bobcat. Um, and, you know, but, but typically here in Ohio, we don't have a lot of larger, uh, more life-threatening predators, at least human life-threatening. But we do have our fair share of predators <laughs> because um, I have fallen victim to them one too many times. Okay, so that's the thing. Get to know what you've got in your area. And as I walk through this, it'll help, um, it'll help you diagnose what your problem is. But for, before I get into that, I want to talk about the psychology of predators. One thing I've noticed, and this could just be my experience, and I could be completely wrong, but one thing I've noticed is they're all skittish. They are all, there's two things on their mind. Is that going to kill me or can I eat it? That's pretty much what they're after. Uh, well, I guess mating. So is it going to kill me? Can I eat it? Or should I mate with it? Uh, that's about all that goes on in their minds, as far as I can tell. And if they believe that it could kill them or they're not sure, they'll stay away from it. Uh, if they believe that they can eat it, then they're going to try everything they can to get to it to eat it. And I'm assuming the same thing with mating. So that's the psychology. Now, one of the things I've noticed is when I move my chickens, like let's say I've got meat birds and I'm, one, and I'm moving them around in a chicken tractor, um, if I move them every day, unless I stumble on to where the uh, predators are, typically I think because the um, tractor moved and it's not in the same spot, that's one little extra, I'm not sure what's going on there, uh, variable that the animal is experiencing. So they may go, let me see what's going on, pay attention to that a little bit. And the next day it moved again. And so they're like, whoa, that's that's not right. But if it stays in the same place for day after day, now the animal's had a chance to see it, think about it, maybe start to dig a little bit, scratch around a little bit, get a little more familiar with it. Um, the smells aren't quite as intimidating as they once were. Uh, so continuing to move uh, the animals I have found uh, helps in reduce um, losses. Now, once you let the your chickens out and they're scattered about in a field, that's a whole other issue. But at nighttime, um, I've noticed that the more consistent I am in moving, the less issues I have. The more static I am in moving, the more issues I have. And if you think about it, that's just that just makes sense. Okay, so... Um, the first thing we want to do when we have an issue is identify what it is, right? So it's one thing to lose animals or produce or fruits, berries, uh, or have your trash cans upset. It's, it's one thing to, for those things to happen. It's another thing to be able to try to prevent it going forward. And the, 
the, one of the best ways to prevent it is to know what's causing it so that you can address the cause rather than, you know, the shotgun approach, which is uh, I'm just going to throw everything at it and see what sticks. Um, certain animals are attracted to certain things and they will behave in certain ways. But one of the ways you can, can start to try to limit or, or hone in on, on what the, which animal is causing the issue is A, know what lives in your area. Again, I'm not going to think it's a bear. Um, but was it a day attack or a night attack? If it was during the day, it's probably not um, a raccoon or a fox or any nocturnal animal. Most nocturnal animals don't hunt during the day, although they do. So it's not that it doesn't happen. It happened to me once. Uh, I was looking at, it was the middle of the day. I look out my, uh, my window and I see a fox with a chicken in its mouth. <laughs> um, and it, the fox, middle of the day, slides under the, a spot that it found on the fence and starts to run off. So it can happen, but typically, um, if, it, if it's an attack during the day, I, I typically don't think that it is a nocturnal animal. Um, what are they doing? Are they, <clears throat> is whatever it's doing eating the corn or is it eating the chickens? Is it uh, reaching and, and eating buds off of trees or is it uh, low to the ground uh, sort of, uh, you know, eating the tops of carrots and things? So uh, think about in terms of what they're doing, is it day or night attack? Um, start to match that up to the different predators in your area. Um, you can, and this is a little more advanced stuff, and if you go out to the show notes, there's a link to an animal tracks identification guide. Um, but And this can be fun, by the way. This is where it can get really fun, which is, now, the, the next thing to look at is scat. But I'm not saying that's necessarily fun. But you can start to really hone in on by tracking the, the animal. In winter, this is much easier to do if you have snow because you can see the tracks. And even an amateur can, can seem like they really know what they're doing when there's snow. Um, but if it is winter or if you are able to pick up some tracks or you can see some scat, you can start to identify, hey, this, this animal, for instance, um, you know, a fox will mark its territory. Uh, and, and not be shy about it. So you can more readily identify that my issue is a fox. The attack happened at night. Um, the, uh, the scat indicates that it's a it's, uh, fox and it took my chicken. Uh, and there's a couple of feathers, but uh, it clearly took whatever it was and hauled it off to, to consume it. Therefore, it's a fox, right? And so now we say, well, okay, what do we do to... Um, to protect ourselves from fox or to uh, deter a fox in the future. So we'll get to that here in a few minutes. Okay, um, again, tracks. So tracking animals, this is, this is a really cool thing um, if you're into it. And uh, it, it really, it's a good excuse to get out in the woods. It's a good excuse to slow yourself down uh, and start to observe the world around you. But there are some things, and I'll just touch on them, but if you go out to the show notes, there's a link to an article uh, that it basically um, covers this stuff in detail. But some of the things you can see in those tracks is walking patterns. So you'll see the, the footprints, um, and you'll, they'll never be perfect. So if you looked at the drawings, uh, the illustrations, or, or pictures, um, they're never going to see anything quite as perfect as those. So it's, it's always a little bit of a guessing game, at least for me. I mean, I guess if you're really good at it, um, you're, you're probably able to, to 
fill in the blanks pretty easily, but I, I still struggle. Um, but there are things you can look for, like the pattern. So there's uh, a zigzag pattern where uh, the animal is walking. Uh, the rear foot, back foot falls in exactly to the same footprint as the front foot was. And it's and, and, and so that's what you see. You'll see uh, two sets of footprints because uh, it's called perfect, um, where the front feet or the back feet land in the where the front foot was. Um, you'll see a waddle pattern. This is where um, you see all four uh, feet, uh, you know, slightly off center. Um, a bounding pattern. This is where the animal uh, is jumping from its hind legs, and you'll see four prints, you know, two just slightly in front of and in between the two rear prints, and then hopping. Um, so if you start, you're not just identifying the actual print, but you're identifying the pattern and the pattern with the print gives you a better idea as to what it could be. Is that making sense? Um, so some other things that, uh, will help you really hone in if you're tracking is the width and the length. So how big is the track? How long is the track or the print? And, and that's meaningful because, uh, you know, it's one thing to see a, a print that looks like a cat, um, but is it a house cat or is it a, a, a mountain lion, right? So um, the size will help. The number of toes is indicative um, or at least will, will limit the, the type of animal. Um, if you can see the, the nails, so, for instance, a canine, you'll see, you might see in the track uh, the toenails, but with a feline, you probably would not. And if you did, you could, but and if you did, it might be because the feline was um, on high alert, which they typically are if they're outside. Um, but uh, if they're not and their claws are retracted, then you're not going to see the the uh, the nails in the in the track. So, some other things are the depth, um, the difference between the front and the rear tracks. If there's webbing um, and the stride and straddle of the track, all those things combined, you might not have a perfect print, but when you combine all of those things, you can really hone in on what it is that you're seeing. Now, for someone like me, especially if, if I'm running chickens in the garden and my gardens are... Um, uh, have wood chips. <laughs> so if it isn't winter, uh, I'm going to have a hard time, uh, you know, determining based on tracks, what it is that I'm seeing. But if you have a, a classic or a typical, um, you know, uh, garden soil, it fills the whole garden. You might be able to pick up some tracks later on. If we get through everything, uh, I'll share, um, a way to have a little more fun with it and kind of set up a tracking observation station as well so that you can, can hone that skill. Okay, so let's assume we've come out, we've identified, we've got this issue. Um, um, you know, let me just throw this out there. One of the other things that I'll, I'm always looking for when I, especially if it's a chicken loss, is the, the feather scatter pattern. So if I see feathers in a couple of areas, um, that typically tells me it wasn't a bird. It wasn't a hawk or an owl. Because they will swoop in and they're gone. There might be a couple of feathers left uh, where the the um, where they made the attack, 
but that's typically it. Once they're in their talons, they're done. I mean, they're they're often gone. Whereas if it's a smaller mammal, um, there may be some signs of the struggle, and those signs may be in a couple of different places. So that's just another one of those things where I use to try to hone in on what it could be. Okay. Um, and it's, it, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about prevention. So, and, and you probably know all these things, but it's good to think about them in an organized fashion. So when we think about prevention, well, there are things like walls, fences, and nets. So why do we put up a wall or a fence uh, and nets? Well, one of the things is because we have animals that like to dig um, under uh, things. So we need to make sure that we're burying our fencing, uh, you know, a, a foot uh, underground. I like to not only bury it a foot underground, but I like it to be buried and then ex, um, uh, extrude out from the fence so that if they're right up against the fence and they start digging, they're going to hit a bend and they would have to dig back some two feet and then dig all the way under to get into the, to the garden. So one lesson I did learn, though, is make sure that you run the uh, a metal uh, or a wire fence um, that you bury and run it up at least the first two feet of, of your garden fence. If you're using a plastic deer fence, the rabbits will chew right through that, at least in my experience. Rabbits will chew, chew right through the plastic fence. And while deer may not be running into your garden, uh, the rabbits are making off with, with everything and then every other small animal that can fit through that same hole. And there are many. Right. So, okay. So, uh, they'll dig. I just covered chewing. Um, their animals will chew right through, uh, things. So we need to make sure that our walls or our fences or our nets, um, can, can, can handle that pressure. They will jump over things. Uh, deer, for example, deer can jump. I think I read eight feet, eight feet. I don't think I've ever seen a deer jump eight feet. I'm sure they can. Um, but when you design your fence, maybe you put, um, you know, five feet up a, a line of electric or some type of a line that extends outside so that there's a, a psychological, um, a barrier in addition to the fence. So they see that and they, they can't jump right next to the fence. So they have to step back a little bit and, and they'll think twice about it. Then obviously things can fly over. So that's why we might have nets. So if we've got aerial predators, uh, or if you want to keep your blueberries instead of feeding all the birds, you can put a net over uh, that area of your garden. And, uh, and so you get the blueberries and not the, not the birds. And then another one uh, that I put here is just brute force. <laughs> and the reason I put brute force in here is, again, a pig story. Um, one of my pigs, the same pig that likes to get out, uh, made its way into the garden, and I don't know what I was thinking, but I didn't have time to, to kind of, you know, usher it back to uh, its family, and so I closed the the gate, and again I have a plastic uh, fence. <laughs> it just, it just decided it wanted out, and it ran right through it. So brute force is also uh, something we need to guard against. And if you've got predators that would use brute force, then you want to make sure that you are, um, your fence can support it. Okay. Um, 
Okay, more prevention things. Good design. Again, this is from experience. It's, so it's one thing to have a fence or a wall or your netting, but uh, it's another thing that if something got past that, especially when it comes to animals, does the housing offer um, adequate defenses? And in my last uh, chicken coop design, it, it did not. Uh, a, a flaw in the design was exploited and uh, chickens were, were lost. So sometimes the simplest designs are the best because if they're simple, then there are fewer opportunities for um, design flaws and we can think more about security than we can uh, aesthetics. Um, just just my, my two cents on that one, but, but good design. So stop and think about the design. Uh, things like putting spikes at the uh, your fence posts so birds can't perch on your fence posts. And, and again, if you have chickens, this is an issue. If, if you've got uh, blueberries, this could be an issue. But if they're comfortable perching on your fence posts and they can eye uh, from safety what is sitting in your garden, then they're more likely to uh, sample some than if you didn't make it easy for them to to hang out and uh, survey the the grocery store. So when it comes to garbage cans and feed containers, uh, make sure they're secure. Um, animals will typically come back. So if they were able to score some food, uh, they will come back again and again and again. And once attracted, it's difficult to convince them to leave although there are ways to convince them to leave. Um, but securing your trash cans, securing feed containers, there, there are some feeds that I'll leave in the field um, in insulated uh, metal uh, containers so they don't have to uh, transport back and forth. And uh, I'm sure to, to, that, that those containers are well secured so that uh, they can't be opened. Perhaps a bear could open them, but that would be about it. Okay. Oh yeah, feed pets inside, right? If you're putting, if you're uh, putting your uh, pet food out, um, there's a good chance that you're feeding more than just your pet. Uh, and and if you are putting it out, then put out only a portion that you know that they'll consume, maybe during a, a very short period of time or during the time that you're out watching them. All right. So now, so we've got our fences. We've got. Uh, we've, we've talked about that, but you may not want to put in a fence. It may be too expensive to fence in the area. So what can we do to detour uh, uh, animals from coming in? Well, there's a number of deterrents. So you've got smell, you've got uh, scent deterrents, and we're going to talk about one of them, but you also have taste deterrents. We'll talk about a couple of those. Um, so if you think about it, if it doesn't smell right, the animal might not want to stick around. If it doesn't taste right, if they come up and sample it, they might not want to stick around. Then there are visuals. So things like decoys. Um, you know, I have an owl decoy that, that uh, followed the chickens. Um, they work, but you have to keep moving them. Because again, if anything is sitting still for any length of time, I, I think the animals get pretty smart and go, yeah, that's not real. Uh, or they've, they get a little bit closer and a little bit closer and it doesn't quite smell like it's supposed to smell. So they don't believe it. Um, and, and they then they start to attack anyway. But uh, so you got your visuals. Um, you've got some sound. 
um, deterrence. And so visuals and sound can be combined. Um, chimes can, can be a deterrent. Um, there's special tapes that are um, metallic looking that when they flop around in the wind, they make sound and they reflect the sun. And uh, so that confuses uh, animals. And, and again, if they aren't comfortable, then they're probably going to move on to an easier score. So that's really what we're trying to do at this point. We're just, you're, you're trying to make it um, less hospitable for them. Another would be sound. So if um, uh, sound of this show, <laughs> you could have it sitting out in the garden. If they think that there's a person out there, then they're less likely to, to hang out. Problem there is you got to have power. And how long does it run? And again, if it's the same thing over and over again, then they're probably going to get used to it. If they stick around, they're going to get used to it and it won't work forever. But it will work for a period of time. And then there's animal uh, deterrence. So maybe you have a guard dog. And there are some people who, uh, you know, they, they are really into their guard dogs and their guard dogs are like employees. And they, they pay a good sum of money for those trained dogs. And those dogs will look after sheep, goats, chickens, you name it, whatever it is, and keep them safe uh, with fence or no fence. Um, and so a guard dog might be a, a good option. But they are not inexpensive. Um, and then mechanical. So there are things like, uh, you know, motion sensor activated um, mechanical things. So you get, you know, you you have a motion sensor light by your trash can. So when the raccoons come to sample your leftovers, the light turns on. The raccoon says, whoa, I didn't bargain for that and takes off. Um, But there are other mechanical um, and motion sensor activated devices. I'm waiting for... And I haven't found it yet, but someone should develop this with all of the um, remote control and the autonomous drone stuff that we can do. There's no reason we couldn't have, you know, a, a drone guard that uh, when a, uh, an animal is present, that it activates, makes noise, moves around, or even just on a time interval, every three minutes it waves something around and moves 15 feet in the direction uh you know that you've mapped out so uh, i one day that will someone will come up with that but in the spirit of sustainability i like the dogs the best but they are expensive uh, if they're trained and of course you have to feed them as well and they are typically not pets right so these aren't dogs you bring into your house at night these are dogs that stay out and they have a job to do and while you may love them and care for them it's not the same experience that you have with a a pet dog okay um so the last thing i wanted to say talk about here is that especially around the tracking you can build your own observation post and it's really simple you just got to get some sand you got to pick out a spot spot where the there's probably high animal traffic and lay down some sand and if possible put a roof over that sand a little uh you know a frame or something that is high enough for the types of animals you want to track and if you really want to go all in get yourself a trail cam 
so that when the animal walks through that uh, weather-protected sand spot, you'll get a trail cam picture, and then you can go out and you can look at the tracks, and you can go, ah, that's a possum. There's the possum picture. There's the possum tracks. You know, hey, there's the rabbit. There's the whatever it may be. And then you take the trail cam away, or maybe you, you try to identify it first, and then you look at the trail cam photo and see if you got it right. But you'll really start to hone your skills. It, you're making a really a, almost as perfect a, a um, print as you can, and you're not going to see that that clearly in the wild. But it's it's much better than just looking at pictures and trying to determine what you're seeing. So that's a good way to practice. It's also a good way to slow down and be still. Um, you know, one of the things I like to do is go out into the woods and not move for 30 minutes. And it is amazing what you will see come to life. You know, most people walk around in the woods and they're hiking, they're on, they've got somewhere to go. Um, but if you stop and you're just still, um, all the wildlife that comes out, the birds that come out, the sounds, the, I mean, just, it's amazing what comes out. So, uh, this, this again, slow down and observe your section of this beautiful planet. And, uh, we don't have to use lethal force for most of these uh, predators. Um, although I'm not, um, opposed to it, honestly. Um, it depends on, if I can eliminate the pressure um, in a in a nice way, I will. Uh, but at the same time, um, I if an animal or especially raccoons, they once they find their way onto your property, it is very difficult to convince them to leave. Um, but there are ways to do it. So one of those uh, I was going to go back to here is in in the, the form of scent. One of the things you can do is. Um, use ammonia, soak ammonia in rags and just place them around the perimeter. The most animals, and, and these are more general things. The couple things I'm going to share with scent and taste. There are other specific recipes and things you can do. Um, look it up and you'll see all sorts of things. But ammonia seems to be one that is pretty general for most every animal and human. No one likes the smell of ammonia. Um, it, it just, it, it screams, you know, stay away from me. <laughs> things aren't good to hear. Uh, and then on the taste side, um, you know, hot pepper spray. So, you know, spray some hot pepper on some plants. And, um, you know, if a, if a deer eats um, a leaf or a rabbit eats, they're not going to get what they were expecting. It's not going to kill them, but they might decide that, yeah, that, that produce isn't really worth my, my time. I'll go someplace else. Um, and then another one is um, use bone meal and uh, blood meal because uh, a lot of animals um, uh, will be skittish around um, blood. And so they will smell that and move on because, you know, again, it's, can I eat it? Uh, will it kill me or can I mate with it? And the smell of blood meal or bone meal uh, doesn't say I can mate and it doesn't say I can eat. It says more so that something bad has happened here. Okay. I think that is uh, the content. Let me uh, queue up here Proverbs chapter 9. And again, thank you for, for joining me. 
And um, we'll get back to the ability to have live callers soon. Hopefully this content was of value. And maybe what we'll do in the future is we'll pick one predator and we'll really dig into all of the uh, humane ways to um, detour uh, that predator and protect from that predator. And we'll, we'll do that as a, uh, over the course of time until we get most, um, most of the common animals. Okay, Proverbs chapter 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maids to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who is without sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave simpleness and live and walk in the way of insight. He who corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. A foolish woman is noisy. She is wanton and knows no shame. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the high places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who is without sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Um, I love Proverbs. Um, could spend lots of time just thinking about all those words, and we should. And I promise I will never preach. I'm, I, I'm just sharing. Um, it's not about preaching. It's just sharing. So thank you again for, for joining me. Have a great night, and we will see you again uh, tomorrow, 9.30 Eastern Time.